Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Caring Support Podcast. This week, we have very special guests. We have Chantal and Matthew from Fifth Place, and they will be talking about something that I have no idea about, but I will learn as, as, as you guys will learn as well, and that is emotional fitness. Such an amazing topic and interesting and very handy, especially for healthcare workers who are going through so much stress right now all over the world, not here in Canada. Um, so welcome, Chantal and Matthew. How are you? Hi there. Hi there. We're great, thank you. We, we are a bit cold because winter has started in the Southern Hemisphere, but otherwise we're healthy. Yes. And uh, thanks very much. Looking forward to sharing a little bit more about emotional fitness and yes. uh, what that is and how you can become emotionally fit. Absolutely. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. So I just want to get started. I would like to know a little bit about your own journeys, you know, individually and collectively. So I'll go first then. Uh, for some reason, my life seems to have always been a bit about learning how we operate as human beings. Uh, when I was 10, I learned to meditate. And when I was 11, um, I read my first self-help book. But really, I think things started getting more and more interesting for me when I was 19. And somebody introduced me to NLP. Um, I was a little bit jaded at the time about engaging with uh, psychosocial support or psychological kind of services because I had a not so nice experience myself when I was seeing a psychologist at the age of 17. But uh, that was kind of on the sidelines. And when I left school as a result of this experience, I decided not to pursue it as a career. But I actually went in a very different direction. And one that maybe James relates to because he comes out of a technology space. And that was the internet uh, and computer science. And then I started one of the first full-service internet companies here in South Africa in 1994. So that does date me a little bit, uh, but I haven't reached my sell-by date yet, thankfully. And I continued in this space for a while, and really I think things came to the head for me in terms of making a choice about a career in 2006, because that was when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as a result, the particular choice of therapy that she chose, I became very interested in and subsequently became trained in it. And you may have heard of it. It's called EFT or tapping for short, emotional freedom techniques. And for a little while, uh, up until I met Chantel in 2016, kind of did these two things in parallel. Um, the internet business, uh, which I've subsequently handed over to my son, and then decided in 2016, when I met Chantel, funnily enough, at Pilates of all places. And uh, sort of the rest is history because from 2016, we started exploring ways to work together. We then founded Fifth Place. And in 2017, we went on this 10 month journey, research or researching and understanding more about emotions and what they are and ended up with this model process and tool that we use to build emotional fitness, which is known or called shape of emotion. So that's me in a not so nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Matthew in a not so small nutshell. And I'll be a whole lot more succinct. 
So um, my, my background is I'm a qualified teacher. I didn't stay teaching for very long. I went into corporate uh, and from corporate into manufacturing, um, running a family business with my brother. And it was while I was there that I actually trained as a coach. And when I exited the family business in 2013, I went and um, did my master's uh, at Stellenbosch Business School in management coaching and then set up my private practice where I was doing coaching and facilitation. It was during this time that I met Matthew. We started working together um, on uh, leadership development, team building and community building. Um, and yes, part of that was getting involved in the under-resourced school space, which really inspired us to develop this process called Shape of Emotion and then move on to the larger part, Shape of Emotion is, is only part of what we call emotional fitness. My next question was going to be, why did you become interested in emotional fitness? But you already answered that, so I would love to go over and say, so what are the benefits of working on on our emotional fitness? And is this just for people who are going under a lot of stress or trauma or illness or for everybody? So we, what we've witnessed in being in this space for the last few years is that building emotional fitness is the first thing that you should look at developing or building. Because being emotionally fit is as necessary as building physical fitness and emotions underpin everything that it is about being human. So many of our illnesses arise because of uh, our inability to manage the way we feel. And by being emotionally fit, what we've seen is that you become more physically healthy, cognitively alert, and your ability to relate to yourself and others improves dramatically. Mm, yes, you know, chronic stress, as you will probably know, leads to a suppressed immune system. Um, we can't think properly. We can't, um, we can't learn properly. Um, it eventually, uh, you know, makes us ill. Uh, so, you know, most of us are dealing with some level of stress or anxiety. And it really does, if it goes unattended, it really will impact us on a physical, um, on a physical and relational basis. Um, as well. So, you know, emotional fitness is not just for those who have got to the point of real mental health issues. Emotional fitness is for all of us. It's a little bit like physical fitness. It's not only the super athletes that that get to, to you know, to look after themselves physically. Um, and in, in our space, it's not only for those who are not well emotionally, uh, that emotional fitness is is for it's really for all of us. Um, what do you what would you say uh, if people ask you, hey, so why don't you just go to therapy <laughs> instead of you know working with a coach on emotional fitness? Um, it's a question that just came to me, um, and if you could answer that real quick. So I think that's first of all a great question, and. I mean, maybe we'll just take turns here uh, just to give some perspectives because Chantel does more coaching and I do more therapy. So from my perspective, uh, therapeutically, a lot of therapies are or can be um, more mind-oriented or brain-oriented. 
and what emotional fitness is is it's about connecting to the way you feel coming back to your body and engaging more with yourself as a whole system rather than just the brain a lot of our western world approaches uh, favor the brain I mean, if you think about the word thinking it actually has the word king in it so well, that can give you some insights perhaps into where we put the brain and thinking um, maybe it should be called think queen but <laughs> anyway so for, from our perspective it's also therapy can be a process that you go to for sort of ongoing support but our approach to emotional fitness is something that you can learn for yourself. And one of the big things that we advocate is about starting with yourself because you are the only person that can make changes in your life. They are your feelings, your emotions. And actually what we've seen countless times is that you actually have all the answers that you need in your life, specifically when it comes to emotions and feelings. I also wanted to say that the the drive for us developing this process was as a result of the lack, the, the lack not over, only of funding, but of practitioners that can attend to um, building emotional fitness, but attending to the amount of trauma that is evident in our country. We are a traumatized nation. Um, we've been, you know, in, uh, impacted by colonialism, by apartheid. I mean, we have just so much history of it. And we we saw the evidence of this in the under-resourced school space. And that was the inspiration for us to actually go out there and develop something that we could use in groups, that we could use en masse. Um, it wasn't something that you had to do one-on-one -on -one because quite honestly, even if we had the funds and we had the practitioners, it would still take forever to attend to the levels and the amount of people and the levels of, of trauma that are, are evident in this country. So that was the driving um, requirement. And it's not about a, an either or, it's about a both and. So, you know, if, if you need to go to therapy, which many of us do at times, then we do that. Um, this is really about ongoing attention to our emotional, building our emotional fitness uh, and it's there also from a maintenance perspective, but it can also be used in a therapeutic sense as well. So it can be used in one-on-one -on -one and therapeutically when there is no other access to, um, to other professional interventions. And just to add to that, we do have coaches, counselors, therapists who incorporate this particular process into their practices. Sometimes they use it with their clients and sometimes, which is I think of interest here, is they use it from a self-care perspective as well. I see. Well, thank you for that. Um, it really clears a lot of doubts, um, questions that maybe our audience has and, and even myself. Um, so as you know, Care and Support is an employment platform for healthcare workers. So most, much of the content that we create is actually for them. And I would like to know, how do you think emotional fitness can benefit healthcare workers around the world? So interestingly enough, we have worked with healthcare workers um, and healthcare workers deal with illness, death, dying, grief and loss on a daily basis. And these will take their toll if they're not dealt with. In addition to this, 
typically, and this is a generalization, but typically healthcare workers always put others first. They like to help others. Their own self-care takes a back seat in their desire to help at work, at home, and in their communities. And all of this can lead to, compa to compassion fatigue and burnout. So regular work, building emotional fitness in a variety of ways, like uh, professional supervision, talking to a therapist or a trusted friend, mindfulness techniques like shape of emotion and emotional fitness classes. Those are some of the ways that healthcare workers can build their emotional fitness and just attend to themselves in the space that they work in. So what about healthcare workers? Yes, but also regular people who would like to um, work on their emotional fitness. What little things can they do? What strategies can they apply to do it on, on their own, as Matthew said? The first thing, and this is a very maybe overlooked but important thing, is the person must really want to do the work, to put the effort in, because it's it's kind of like a, a process. Um, you don't walk around the block and get fit. And in the same way, you don't eat one meal and then never eat again, like one breakfast, and that's breakfast done for a month. So it is an ongoing process of nourishing and, as I said earlier, coming back to your body. And <clears throat> it is about sticking with it because you will start to make changes. And any kind of change process involves time, effort, and energy. And if we really want to make these things stick and embrace a new level of emotional fitness, we will have to consistently do it. So we have to sort of get into that mindset that make small changes over a consistent period to build up a habit. The second thing to sort of share and, and is that, as I mentioned as well a little bit earlier, I think, is that it starts with me. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm the only one that can deal with my feelings. I might want to delegate them to Chantel, but at the end of it all, the way I feel is the way I feel. So the person whose responsibility it is to do something about those feelings, irrespective of the motivation or the, um, the event or the situation or whatever it is that caused me to feel a certain way, that doesn't matter necessarily. What matters is me choosing to manage my feelings. Now, I might have got to this place as a result of trauma or too much care or abuse even, but I can't blame the other because again, that is taking my sort of power and control and agency and putting it on that person and then waiting for them or that situation to change. And in our experience, that doesn't work. I really want to become more emotionally fit, I need to come back to me and do the work for me. And specifically coming back to my body, listening to my body. Again, in our experience, our Western mind thinks it's very clever and we often ignore what our body is telling us. We sometimes take medicine to override the signs of the body so that we can just carry on living. And I mean, in this kind of context, that also is a bit of a recipe for burnout and compassion fatigue because our body is always communicating with us. The question is, are you listening? 
becoming immersion. So to sum it up, Chantal wants to just share that it's basically a multifaceted approach. Yes, you know, becoming emotionally fit is not just an event. Um, it's uh, we always, you know, related to physical fitness. It's not one event. It is a process. It is potentially a change in lifestyle, but it is multifaceted and it is holistic. And in our world, we talk about the five pillars: thinking, feeling, nourishing, relating, and moving. And all those areas are what we look at when it comes to building emotional fitness. Um, and Sorry, can you repeat those? Thinking, feeling? Yes. Thinking, feeling, moving, relating, and nourishing. Nourishing. So thinking, yes. Yeah, so thinking is about learning, being lifelong learning, being willing to, to learn new things. The feeling is the work that we do from an emotional, uh, emotional fitness perspective, emotional fitness classes, using mindfulness or um, bodyfulness-based processes. Um, engaging with our emotions, um, nourishing is around not just the food we put in our in our bodies, but also how we nourish ourselves from a self-care perspective. Uh, moving says it all. It's about getting out there and moving our bodies because moving our bodies is another way of expressing and allowing our emotions to be released and let go. And that's any kind of movement. That's walking, running, dancing, skipping, whatever it is. We do need to move. We're far too sedentary, although I have to say not many healthcare workers are that sedentary, but it's a different type of moving. And then relating is all about our socialization. It's all about connecting with other people because we are social beings. And it's, and it's the type of people that we connect with. And it's the people that we engage with building community and building connections. So those are the five pillars. Interesting. Well, thank you so much. I really don't have more questions. I would just like to know if there's anything else you would like to add about this interesting topic. Well, you seem to be really uh, subject experts on this, and it really sounds like I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> no, I don't know so much that it's about a lot of work to do. I think the first step is in educating, really, because that's what we find. It's really about finding out more information and ed educating ourselves. Because, I mean, in our experience, uh, emotions are sort of really downplayed, underplayed. There's a lot of ignorance around what emotions are. We don't really get taught much about how to manage them, not through our schooling, not through our parents or our culture and so on. And we've also been kind of taught inadvertently somehow depending on where we were brought up, how we were brought up, that kind of thing as to what emotions are okay, what emotions aren't okay, which ones we can express and for how long or how much, and that yeah. kind of thing. And these all sort of put constraints on us in terms of this thing, which is a natural kind of, in a way, bodily process, if you like. We have other bodily functions and things that happen, but I don't think anything else comes close to the way our society and our culture constrains us uh, than, than emotions. I mean, we don't have the same constraints around things that we eat or necessarily where we can go, but emotions for some reason really are kind of locked into what's okay and what's not okay. And so you can even find yourself sometimes in this sort of conflict because you might want to express because it's healthy to express 
because that's what emotions are meant to be. Uh, the word emotion actually means to move. So we should be able to express that sometimes for various reasons, as I was saying, we don't or we can't because we've been taught it's not okay. Mm, absolutely. And I think the, the place to go always, it just in terms of the education and finding out more. So for in our world, we have podcasts that have the information that are, you know, there's no, there's no charge there. There's YouTube clips around what, what around emotional fitness and what to do, no charge, you know, there's, that's free and, and available. And then we obviously have courses and stuff, which, you know, you can, you can pay for as well. But there is so much available for people to go and engage with and just learn about, because as Matthew said, we typically have been told mm, emotions are not the thing that we want to engage with. And we don't really want, we don't want to talk about them too much because they're messy and they're unwelcome. And really our job and, and our aim is, is, to, is to change the narrative around that to make it okay to talk about the way we feel, to make it okay to say, I'm not okay, to make it okay to look after ourselves and not think that we're being selfish. And we do endeavor to make it as accessible as possible. So, I mean, once we're okay with talking about it, then the next step is, okay, let's do something about it. And so Chantel was saying, we do have uh, emotional fitness classes that you can take and um that is a is a good start or if you're just curious then you can engage with us through our website as through the podcast or even through the youtube stuff uh, we as you can probably tell quite passionate about this and uh, we we love to share and connect and engage and share more about what it takes to become and remain emotionally fit well thank you so much that was wonderful it really is. And um, it made me think about grief. People like to put a, a timestamp on grief and tell you how you're supposed to grieve. And that's not fair. And, and as you said, it happens with a lot of emotions. Um, and, it, and it changes uh, between genders. Like people expect one gender to feel or express emotions and then not the other. And it really constrains us as human beings. So. This is so, so, so important. I thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. Um, and I would love to have you back in the podcast in the future. So thank you and um, say goodbye to our audience. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. And thanks for your time and the opportunity to share something that we've come to realize is very, very important. So appreciate the, the opportunity. And from me, Matthew, until next time, bye for now. And from me, Chantal, until next time, bye for now. Goodbye, everyone. See you in the next episode.